0: The wendigo, its hunger is eternal. The wind was blowing the freshly fallen snow into swirling little clouds that spun around his bare calves, causing his skin to flake off in long, thin pieces. He no longer had memories of the days when the cold bit into his flesh and caused pain. A pain that now had turned into pleasure the fear that he once had of a great beast with rotting flesh seeking to devour him had now turned into a ravenous hunger and each year when the chill of winter crept back into the forest he climbed out of his cave to hunt to appease that hunger but that only lasted for a moment during the kill he was now that beast and he was always hungry Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world, and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Wendigo, an insatiable flesh-eating monster from Native American folklore. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for more information on future episodes.
1: This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Named the best podcast of 2018 by Apple. Tons of fascinating guests. Untold stories you won't hear anywhere else. Expand your wisdom and discover other perspectives that you've never considered before with The Jordan Harbinger Show. Join Jordan as he interviews high-profile people as well as intriguing personalities. Each episode features a discussion that might just take you anywhere. I recommend episode 970, where Jordan and guest Annie Jacobson talk nuclear annihilation. How likely is it? How scared should you be? And what comes after? There's also episode 886 with David Farina, which delves into the wacky world of Flat Earthers. These episodes are great starting points, but you're sure to find deep, interesting, and thought-provoking topics throughout Jordan's catalog. Turn off the music and turn up the wisdom with The Jordan Harbinger Show. We really enjoy this show and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B, as in boy, I-N, as in Nancy, G-E-R. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template... With Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment.
0: At only 32, Ross had tasted success and it was sweet. He had a beautiful wife and they had two perfect little boys. After business school ross started a sporting goods business and after he took the business online he quickly made a small fortune it wasn't always easy work but it had paid off and it was worth it unfortunately ross fell victim to greed and addiction a weekend trip with his college buddies would prove devastatingly fatal to his success and happiness ross hit the jackpot in vegas he cashed out and went home $150,000 ahead. He was on cloud nine, but after that high, he could not get enough of the rush. He spent more time looking for the next card game than he did with his family or running his business. Eventually, he had wagered everything, including the boys' college fund, but after all, he was only one bet away from that next big jackpot that next jackpot never came and when his wife left him and took the boys he suddenly became desperate in a new way he knew he had lost them but he still refused to fail them completely he had only one way left to save his family from destitution a million dollar life insurance policy two weeks after his wife and kids moved out in early October Ross found his way to the Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. Accompanied by his two best friends Matt and Grant they set out on a week-long hiking trip. The camaraderie was great and the testosterone was surging. The mountain air was invigorating. Matt and Grant had no idea that Ross had planned for this to be his last trip. That first day late in the afternoon they were caught by surprise when the snow started to fall the forecast had not called for snow but that was not unusual in the Rocky Mountains the weather could change very quickly by the time that they had stopped to set up camp the snow had stopped also leaving only a thin soft blanket on the tree branches the guys had hiked a little ways off the trail to set up camp just far enough to go undetected by park rangers Hikers were not allowed on the trail after dark in this area. Camping was prohibited, but this wasn't their first time, and this little violation of rules added to the adventure. They pitched their tents and waited until it was almost completely dark to light the campfire to ensure that there were no rangers or hikers left on the trail who might catch them. They had packed military rations for their meals, but after they ate, even with full bellies, the cold wind was starting to have more of a bite than they could stand. The friends said goodnight and retired to their tents. Ross zipped up his sleeping bag and wiggled down into it until his face was covered. It was colder than he had expected, but that was good, because when the time came, it would be quick. Soon he was warm, and Ross drifted off to sleep, thinking sadly that he would never be able to bring his sons on one of these trips. But he still believed he was doing the best thing for them. He was dreaming. He was in the woods, and the boys were crying. He could hear them. But he couldn't see them. He looked all around, in every direction. His heart began to race. And he began to call out to them when suddenly, the crying turned to screams. He sat bolt upright, dripping with sweat. It wasn't real, but it had felt so real. He could still hear their screams. Only, they didn't sound like screams anymore. They sounded more like a howl. Ross sat as if hypnotized by the sound until he heard Grant calling his name in a hoarse whisper. Ross! Can can you hear that? What is that? Ross and Grant put on their boots and climbed out of their tents. They fired up their flashlights before waking Matt, who had been sleeping like the dead. The three men, armed with only their flashlights, stood quietly and listened. <sighs> The howling seemed far away at first, but slowly seemed to get closer. The closer it got, the more it changed. It was hard to describe. It was like an angry bear. But it had a demonic quality that made their blood run cold. Ross rummaged through his backpack until he found his cell phone. He wouldn't call for help until he was sure they were in danger. He may have planned a one-way trip for himself, but not for his friends. Grant rekindled the fire, not only for warmth, but in hopes of keeping whatever was out there at bay. For the next few hours, the three men sat there huddled around the fire listening as this unknown intruder circled their campsite. Right before sunrise, they heard branches snapping and it was silent for a few moments before what once had been a growl was replaced by a sadistic roll of evil laughter. Remembering the flare gun in his pack, Ross reached over and fumbled for it. He took it out of the case, loaded a flare and set it in his lap. This was the closest thing to a weapon they had besides a hunting knife. The forest boomed with evil laughter again. Ross jumped to his feet and aimed the flare gun in the direction the laughter seemed to have come from. He fired once into the trees, but the shot burned out before making a connection. Ross sat and waited for anything that would confirm a hit, or at least something fleeing in fear from the flare, when all of a sudden a tree about the size of a telephone pole came toppling down, The branches landing mere inches from their feet, barely missing them. They were staring at it in shock, when suddenly the air was filled with more booming demonic laughter. Without any notice, Matt jumped back and turned and bolted in the opposite direction. Ross and Grant watched in disbelief as Matt disappeared. Their heads shot back around quickly to follow the sounds of crashing trees coming through the forest. Whatever that thing was, it was huge and was making its way around the camp in the direction that Matt had run. Ross hadn't realized he was holding his breath until he started to feel dizzy and finally, reluctantly exhaled. He looked over at Grant, who looked like all the blood had drained from his face, and for a moment, he was scared Grant would faint. It seemed to be official, They were definitely in danger. Ross pulled the cell phone from his pocket to call for help. The screen was black. He tried the power button, but nothing happened. Grant had been watching him, and when he realized the problem, he dug his phone out of his coat pocket. He tried to turn the screen on, but nothing happened. His phone was also dead. Impossibly, While they were both staring at their phone screens, frantically punching buttons, their screens simultaneously shattered. Startled, Ross dropped his phone into the damp leaves on the ground. Grant just stared at his phone, still in his hand, and finally, with a sudden curse, he hurled it into the woods where it bounced off of a nearby tree. We are going to have to go after him, Ross hesitantly urged Grant. Grant just nodded, not able to find the words. So Ross headed in the direction Matt had disappeared into the woods, and Grant, after a moment of reluctance, slowly followed. It wasn't quite daylight yet, and the woods had gone eerily silent with absolutely no sounds to follow. Matt must have gained quite a bit of ground. Maybe he had found the trail. Neither of the pair were trackers, but they knew enough to follow broken twigs and branches. Their amateur tracking came to a halt when they came across a patch of snow that had fallen the day before, and it was spattered with what looked very much like specks of blood. The Wendigo is a mythical creature or evil spirit from Native American Algonquian folklore, which is believed to roam in the forest of the Great Lakes region and the Atlantic coast of both Canada and the United States. The Wendigo is believed to be the spirit of winter and a symbol of the dangers of selfishness. Although beliefs vary, the Wendigo is generally considered a horrifying entity with an insatiable taste for human flesh. Anyone who encounters a Wendigo risk being devoured or even being turned into one. Although the creature was first described as a demonic entity or an evil spirit of no physical form in early Native American folklore, the Wendigo came to be known as a beast with time. According to Ojibwe folklore, Wendigos are giant creatures with a slender body, taller than 14 feet, The reason behind why they look so slim, but also so big, was explained with the most famous trait of the creature, never-ending hunger for human flesh. Legend is that Wendigos are never satisfied and never full, no matter how much human flesh they consume. They are said to grow bigger with each feeding. The Algonquin legend describes the nightmarish creature as having pale, ashy skin, stretched tight like a latex suit over the jutting spurs of protruding bones. Its glassy eyes, vacant as they are brooding with evil, glow as they reflect the moon from sunken black sockets. A visceral smell oozes from its flesh, rich with rot and fresh metallic blood as the beast stalks its prey from a looming height of 15 feet in the inky darkness of the forest. This unsettling image damned the souls of those who claimed to have faced the creature in the flesh. The creature had a stag skull for a head according to some of the relevant folklore. Other prominent features were that it had a long tongue and yellow fangs. In the ancient North American legend, the monster exists as a byproduct of cannibalism and dark magic. One can also become a Wendigo as punishment for dishonorable or taboo activities. In some versions of the myth, people can also become a Wendigo after merely meeting one. Alternatively, the creature could possess them in a dream. After it takes control of its host, the beast assumes the identity of the person wendigos are exceptionally strong immune to harsh weather conditions and have heightened senses which make them excellent hunters they can heal their bodies and regenerate when they are wounded in addition to that they are known to be able to mimic a person's voice some legends suggest that a wendigo would slowly drive its victim mad and it would start luring the victim away by releasing an odor that only he can smell. Then the victim would lose sleep and have nightmares driven to madness day by day. Wendigos can also manipulate and control other creatures of the forest and make them attack their victims. It is believed that a Wendigo becomes stronger as it gets older probably the most interesting one among their abilities. Wendigos are also known to be able to control the weather and call upon darkness during the daytime as they grow older and stronger. There are some opinions regarding a cure for someone who has turned into a Wendigo. The belief is that a person turned into a Wendigo remains inside the beast's body. They are said to be captured around the heart area of the creature which now may have grown to over 14 feet tall. The only way to escape after being turned into a Wendigo is through the Wendigo's death. Ultimately, death is the only escape from the curse of the Wendigo as the person inside and the creature both must die. According to most legends, it is nearly impossible to escape a Wendigo They are hunters by nature and are extremely fast. They allow nothing to get in the way of their never-ending hunger. Even if you physically escape the clutches of a Wendigo, the encounter alone would leave you mentally vacant. Wendigos are said to hibernate for months or years, but doom is sure to follow on the day that they awaken. Thanks to their supernatural speed, Wendigos can stalk their victims for days on end. They have supernatural endurance, a heightened sense of smell, vision, and hearing, and can pick up on rapid heartbeats from miles away. Wendigos like to torture their victims during the hunt. They may bait their prey by mimicking human voices calling for help. When the hunt begins in earnest, the Wendigo will release shrieks and growls it will chase its victims as if in a rage, uprooting trees and sending other forest animals into a panicked stampede. If at any point it desires, the Wendigo will also stir up an ice storm or tornado. If ever on the run from a Wendigo, do not for a second think that you will be safe indoors. Wendigos know how to unlock doors. While seemingly impossible, Popular opinion has it that Wendigos can be killed by burning or by using silver weapons. The creature should be staked or stabbed in the heart with a blade or shot by a silver bullet. Afterward, the body of the Wendigo should be burned. In another version of the legend, it is not so simple to kill a Wendigo, as you must stab it in the heart with a silver blade, then shatter the heart, put it in a silver box, and bury it in a church cemetery because of the creature's regeneration abilities even that is not enough the remaining body parts must be dismembered and salted and burned until they are ashes then finally the ashes must be scattered into the wind even though the wendigo has an inhuman amount of power there are said to be ways to protect yourself from this monster if you're hunting or being hunted by the creature a fire should be left always burning nearby this will hold off an attack but only temporarily once the wendigo is burned it will quickly heal and it will be very angry wendigo sightings are generally relegated to the northern parts of the American Midwest and southern parts of Canada, and are more common than you would think. Wendigos are some of the most horrifying monsters in the Great Lakes region. Even though the legend has changed over the years, most of their main characteristics have remained the same, and sightings of them continue to pour in despite the legend's obscurity. Although sightings of Wendigos have been reported during the summer months, It is the season when they seem to be scarcer. Their most active times are during the winter and fall seasons. It is assumed that they hibernate during the summer if food supplies run low. Wendigos seem to have close ties to cold weather and it may be because of the way they came into being. Wendigos started as humans who usually resorted to cannibalism to survive starvation during the winter months. Every so often A mythological creature will become so iconic that a medical condition will be named after it. The Wendigo, too, has a medical namesake, and as expected, it is profoundly disturbing. Wendigo psychosis is a strange condition with a long history. It is a term used when referring to people who for one reason or another turn to cannibalism. It is a result of being desperate for food some of the most famous cases of wendigo psychosis have happened for no reason at all. In the 1600s, French missionaries of the Jesuit order, while traveling through France on a mission to spread Catholicism, came upon a group of men who were suffering from a mysterious psychosis. These men were so ravenous for human flesh that they would attack women, children, and even some men. Their appetite could not be appeased, and they constantly sought fresh prey. The more they ate, the more they wanted. The afflicted men were eventually executed because it seemed to be the only apparent cure for their condition. It is one of the first Western accounts of Wendigo psychosis, and is also tied to every German fairy tale for the worst bedtime stories ever written. According to the Edmonton Journal, a man from the Cree tribe known as Swift Runner worked for the local mounted police and was well liked. But toward the end of 1878, he took his family into the woods and walked into what became his gruesome place in history. When he reappeared in 1879, he was alone. He claimed that his wife and six children had all died of starvation during the harsh winter months. The police, however, could not help but notice that the man himself didn't look like he had missed a single meal. They investigated his campsite and discovered grisly remains. There were bones picked clean of meat. Some even had the marrow hollowed out. There was a skull with a shoe jammed inside of it. When confronted about the crime, Swift Runner confessed to having killed and eaten his entire family. Swift Runner's story went on to become the go-to example of Wendigo psychosis, since it's believed that he had ready access to means of survival besides slaughtering and consuming his entire family. The full truth will probably never be known, and the world's most famous Wendigo was executed in late 1879, and Alberta's first government sanctioned hanging. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of Wendigo sightings on record. Most people are not sure of what they saw or heard, but the overall description fits. The number of sightings and the horrors of the Wendigo leave many people afraid to go into the woods. An anonymous post on No Sleeps Reddit was made by a man who believes he had such an encounter. He stated that he and his girlfriend and their three-year-old son were attacked by something that after doing his research, he believes was a wendigo. He claims that while on a camping trip in the northernmost Washington area, they were warned by some other campers of strange noises and a pale creature that could mimic voices and sounds of people who weren't talking. Before heading to their campsite, they had also been set on edge by a park ranger who seemed very tense and uneasy, who stopped them to tell them to be careful and stay safe. Upon reaching their campsite, nothing was out of the ordinary and they decided the other campers were just trying to scare them. They immediately got a fire ready to light and set up their tents. After a quick snack, they decided to get the lay of the area, so they hiked around for about an hour or so. Everything seemed normal on the hike, until he saw something farther down the path that they were on. They walked closer to investigate, and saw drag marks. He said there was a whole outline and a dried pool of blood. Shaken, they rushed back to the camp and restarted the fire quickly, and hurried back into the tent. They were too afraid to leave, as it was dusk at this point, so they stayed inside the tent and put their son to bed. Eventually, from exhaustion, they fell asleep. He assumed that what must have been hours later, he awoke to a faint rasping sound that sounded like a child crying. He gazed outside in confusion and saw the outline of a creature that looked like a buck, standing over something. He guessed that it seemed to be about 20 feet away, but after a closer glance, had unnaturally long limbs for a buck, and was eerily tall. In sudden fear, he shot at the creature with a rifle he had brought along and heard a loud, blood-curdling cry. His girlfriend, hearing the shots, woke up screaming and he tried to explain what he had seen and heard. To his surprise, when he looked back to see if the animal was gone, it had not moved an inch. Instead, it was looking right at them and slowly began to speak in a demonic type of voice it said I need more children suddenly his girlfriend started screaming that she couldn't find their son and then abruptly they both blacked out the next morning when they finally awoke there were park rangers in their campsite their son was still missing and they told the park rangers what had happened strangely They seemed to believe them. He claims that the older of the two whispered into the other ranger's ear, and what he swore the man said was, It is getting bolder. A massive area search was formed, but after three days of volunteer rangers and search and rescue scouring the woods, there was still no sign of the young boy. The Wendigo has become a fixture in North American pop culture and is a frequent subject in film and literature all over the world. It is featured in novels such as Rick Yancey's The Curse of the Wendigo and a novel turned movie Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. There is even a new movie set to debut in October 2021 titled Antlers based on the short story The Quiet Boy by Nick and Tosca. The Wendigo has also made appearances on the popular TV shows Supernatural, Grimm, and The X-Files, just to name a few. And no monster is truly a legend until it has conquered the big screen, the small screen, and the gamer's screen. If you are a fan of the 2015 video game Until Dawn, you have probably had the privilege of experiencing a Wendigo attack. In the game the wendigo will render you immobile strip your skin off your entire body piece by piece and then keep you alive while it feasts on your organs one piece at a time
1: this episode is sponsored by june's journey what is horror to you monsters murder mystery well if human monsters are your thing June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the roaring 20s. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
0: Ross and Grant had followed the trail of blood here and there for what seemed like hours. The weirdest thing was they could never find any footprints, and it was starting to snow again. So soon they wouldn't be able to follow the blood either. They were about to give up hope and go for help when they thought they heard someone yelling. It sounded like it could be Matt. It was a cry for help, and when it came again, there was no doubt. It was Matt. They trudged through the deepening snow in the directions Matt's cries were coming from, afraid of what they were about to find, but anxious to help their friend. Just as they reached a clearing in the woods, Matt's cries stopped, but to their relief, directly ahead was an old hunting cabin. It was in poor shape. A tree limb had broken probably under last winter's heavy snow and left a gaping hole in the roof. Cautiously, they approached the front door calling Matt's name, but heard no reply. Grant climbed the steps to the front porch first and approached the front door. While Ross was watching and waiting, the hairs on the back of his neck began to stand up. His skin slowly began to crawl as he had the feeling of being watched. He spun around to scan the clearing and the edges of the tree line. He saw nothing but he could feel it. Someone was out there, watching them. Abruptly, Ross remembered the flare gun he was still holding in his hand. He had been gripping it so tight that his hand was aching. Strange that he hadn't noticed that until now. He slowly aimed the gun in the direction of the tree line, cautiously waiting for any movement that he could make his target. The cabin door was unlocked and Grant swung it slowly open and stepped inside. Ross heard Grant gasp and immediately ran up the steps and into the cabin behind him. There, in the center of the cabin, hanging from the rafters by his wrists, was Matt. The snow was falling through the hole in the roof and blowing all around him, making the scene morbidly beautiful like a macabre snow globe. His wrists were bound by something that looked like vines. The same vines were wrapped around his ankles. He had been stripped down to his boxers. They could see the slight rise and fall of his chest and with relief realized that he was still alive, just barely. As Ross moved to help release Matt from his bondage, he caught sight of something horrendous. Alarmed, he stepped back and stumbled, landing on the wooden floor with a grunt. Stunned, he looked back up to see if he had been imagining the grisly sight, but realizing it had been real, he began to gag. Grant was looking down at him puzzled, and he was slumped over to the floor retching. But Ross couldn't speak. Instead, he just pointed towards Matt. Grant gazed up at Matt again and stumbled backward when he saw it. Matt's legs, from his kneecaps up to the bottom of his boxers, had been skinned and the muscle had been cut out as if it had been filleted by a butcher. The two men were staring in horror when suddenly the cabin door slammed shut. The wind had begun howling by now and must have gotten a hold of the door. Ross had just begun to gain his composure and quickly stood back up. Grant was still staring at the door. Ross looked over at his friend and could see the fear building in his eyes. Grant, focus. We have to get him down and patched up. Grant reluctantly pulled his gaze away from the door and turned to help Ross. They drug an old crate from the corner to stand on and were trying to loose the binding around Matt's wrists when a thud came from the front porch, followed by a scraping sound. They froze, listening and waiting for what would come next. There was suddenly a strangely gentle rap on the door of the cabin. Ross yelled towards the door, The Rangers are on their way! We called them! Stopping to think for a second, he followed with, And we have guns, we will blow you to pieces. It was silent for a moment, like whoever was on the other side of the door was thinking of what to do next. Shockingly, a familiar child's voice began to speak to Ross through the door. Daddy, it's me, Ben. I don't want you to die, Daddy. Open the door, and I will take you back home with me. Ross knew immediately that this was not his son, but a strange feeling was taking over his mind and body. He knew, as soon as he took that first step, that nothing could stop him from opening that door. He was no longer in control. He felt the twinge of a strange desire that he had never felt before. Grant was yelling, but he couldn't understand him. He seemed so far away. Ross twisted on the knob, and as the door swung open, the wind blew in a blinding cloud of snow engulfed with a suffocating stench. As the snow cleared, Ross could see a tall figure standing in the doorway, too tall to be human. He slowly raised the flare gun and aimed, but like a fluid motion, all the strength drained from his arm and slowly melted to the floor, where the gun landed with a soft thud. Ross began to feel like he was vanishing and didn't feel any pain when his body crashed to the floor. As a large, rotting, inhuman face stared down at him, thoughts of his family flashed through his mind. The thoughts were spinning in his head, just like the snow blowing outside in the wind. Ross lay there, and he vaguely heard Grant's screams in a distant place from his mind. He slowly became aware of a growing pit in his stomach, a pit full of need, greed, and longing it was a deep dark pit and it was beginning to fill up not with fear but with hunger thank you for listening to freaky folklore the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths don't forget to follow freaky folklore on spotify and itunes if you can Leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as the Darkness Prevails podcast, which has over 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Darkness Prevails podcast is the show for you. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to at gmail.com. C a r m a n c a r r i o n at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next week as freaky folklore explores the banshee, the heraldess of death. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.